Gas stations are one of the last places you would suspect to be face to face with some sort of horror story of your own. Well, these viewers sent in some allegedly true and creepy encounters at gas stations. Welcome back to the swamp my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true gas station horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you have a story that you would like to share, as always, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Joining me today is my new friend, Lady Nopingham. If you enjoyed their voice, be sure to check out their channel, you can find a link to do so in the description. Recently I started streaming over on Twitch, if you're a fan of watching horror movies that are not so good, and playing horror games and such like that, come join me over there, I stream a couple of times a week. You can find a link to do so in the description. Now, without further ado, let's get right into these creepy and allegedly true gas station horror stories that'll keep you up tonight. I worked at a gas station in my small North Carolina town, 10 miles from Charlotte. I was a 39-year-old wife and mother of three daughters. I was a stay-at-home mom, and my daughters were all in school when my family needed a little extra income. The area was predominantly safe. My hours were 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Of course, my duties were being a cashier, stocking products, cleaning, doing nightly audits, and reading every Dean Koontz novel I could get my hands on. All of this by myself, I should add. The company didn't see a need to have a second person on this shift because it was very slow, but very hectic on the weekends. I handled this job like a pro. I loved seeing my regulars at night and the morning workers getting their coffee and heading to work. I was at this gas station in my little town for about a year. We'll call it a convenience store. I did of course have the run of the mill meth heads who liked their sweets. The homeless are looking for free cigs or somewhere to charge their phone. I also had the occasional local police officer that would come in around 12 to 1 a.m. for free coffee and complain about their shift. On this night, I read Dean Koontz's Intensity. I put the bookmark in because I felt like moving around. I went around the counter to the five-hour energy shots and began to organize and stock. I heard the bell above the door open like I had a million times before. I had so many regulars ranging from my pizza delivery guys to men who just kinda came in. I was setting the case of 5 hour energy shots down to help this customer when I felt something cold and hard against my right shoulder. It was a blade. My first instinct was that this was a cruel prank from a regular. I turned around to say, hey, when I was met with the gun pointing at my forehead. It was someone I couldn't quite make out. He had a scarf over his face. I immediately put my hands up in shock. I saw three more guys in different colored bandanas with no guns but looking nervous and demanding me to give them all of the money. I walked around the counter with this guy holding his gun to my head and telling me to hurry up and open the register. I said with my hands still in the air, shaking, yes, yes, of course, here. I opened the register for him, and the four guys descended on this register getting all the cash in it. Suddenly. The gunman looked at me and said, This register too. A second register that had a bare minimum for the first shift. I put in my code and opened that register as well. They cleaned that till too. 
They saw the safe underneath the first register, and again the gunman pointed his gun at my temple and demanded I open the safe. I said in a shaky voice that that safe was on a timer. Suppose you press one button, whether for the $10 bills or a roll of quarters, it won't dispense again for another two whole minutes. These guys were all on this safe pressing buttons while in the meantime I'm praying out loud for God to come spare me because I have a husband and children that need me. I kept frantically saying this prayer, and the guys were frustrated that the safe was not giving them what they wanted. I heard one of the guys saying, Shut that girl up! Another said, Just shoot her already. We have what we need now. At that statement, I could feel like I was about to lose my bladder and pee on myself. Even though I was scared out of my mind, I was also mad that this would possibly be where I ended. I held that pee in and watched as they started to steal as many cigarettes, wraps, and black and milds as possible. One of the guys yelled, We've been here too long, let's go. Three went sprinting to the door while one is in front of me while I was shaking with clenched hands praying. I looked up and his scarf fell. I thought this was it, but he smiled at me and joined his friends. At the same time, a woman came in to buy a soda. They yelled at her and pointed the gun at her to give him their purse. I thought for sure they would get aggressive. Instead, they were worried about being there too long. They ran out of the door and scattered through the parking lot. I looked at the lady, then the glass door and could see her partner's truck outside. I told her to get to the car while I called the police. I locked the door as soon as she was in the car. I picked up the store's landline and dialed 911. I ran to the stockroom and locked that door as well. I told the 911 operator all the details she needed, and after a couple of minutes, she said it was safe to go out front and open the doors for the officers. I did just that. I unlocked the door and immediately removed my name tag and threw it into the trash. I felt like this was finally over, and I was quitting. I saw the woman customer confronted by the gunman shaking and rocking back and forth. I put my hand on her shoulder as she gave her statement to the police. I gave the officers my statement and called my manager. She came to the store along with CSI investigators. I watched myself on tape at least three times with the investigators. A CSI guy paused the video while the thieves were surrounding the safe, and their back was turned and asked me, why didn't you run? I said because I was afraid I'd be shot in the back. He apologized immediately, realizing how traumatized I was. After the police left, I continued to converse with my manager as she tried to console me. She called her higher-ups because she had never been through anything like this. I heard upper management tell her, Oh, she'll be alright. No need for me to get out of bed for this. I lost it and told her that she was not a good person. I went home and at this time it was around 4 in the morning. I went upstairs and kissed my children on their foreheads, then went to me in my husband's bedroom. I went into our bathroom to wash my face. I thought not to wake him because he had another hour to sleep before his shift began. I couldn't help but break down after realizing I was alive and splashing water on my face at home. My husband woke up to this and asked in a slight panic, what's wrong? I broke down to my knees on my bathroom floor and explained my nightmare to him. He held me and consoled me. I stayed up until it was time to take the children to school. When I got back home, I called the company's HR. They were very cold towards me. I then called a workers' compensation lawyer. After discussing what happened to me on third shift, by myself and HR being so hard, he took my case. I discovered the four guys that robbed me at gunpoint were all 16 years old. I don't know the punishment they ever received. I do know that I got one year of unemployment checks and settlement of $25,000. I received therapy for the PTSD I have now. 
It took about a year for me to be comfortable to go to a gas station on my own. It's been four years now, and I'm doing okay. I now have two knives and a taser on me at all times. I started working part-time at a local gas station convenience store over the summer of 2016 to earn some extra money while attending college. When I was hired, I was notified that female employees were never scheduled to work overnight shifts, which I was relieved to hear. I wasn't worried about my safety, but I was concerned about getting enough sleep before classes. It wasn't long before I found myself dreading the days I had to come to work though as the job became much more complicated than anticipated. We were always short-staffed, which forced us to constantly multitask between running cash registers, preparing food, keeping eyes on pumps, cleaning, stocking, etc. To make matters worse, the two women who managed the place were awful, and I frequently found myself biting my tongue and talking myself out of quitting. I was already on edge when they cut our 15-minute break down to 10 minutes, as I never seemed to have enough time to use the restroom and smoke a cigarette fast enough. But it wasn't until several annoying encounters with a regular, I'll call him James, that I finally started to break. James was younger than me, maybe late teens or early twenties, and he thought he owned the place. Perhaps, being the grandson of one of the managers, gave him a sense of entitlement to fuck with the people there. When I met James, he approached the counter to purchase some chewing tobacco. As I was ringing him up, I asked to see his ID, and he told me who he was related to, but I politely asked again to see his ID because I was new. Another employee overheard our conversation and assured me that he was old enough, so I went ahead and rang him up. Staring at me intently the whole time, he looked down at my name tag and said, Mindy, that's a pretty name. I thanked him for the compliment and gave him his dip, but he continued talking to me and asking several personal questions. He wanted to know where I lived, what my last name was, whether or not I had a boyfriend, etc. Meanwhile, a long line had formed behind him, and not trying to be rude, I said something like, Sorry, there's a line behind you, and I casually motioned for the next customer to move up. But James didn't leave. He simply stepped to the side and continued talking to me and watching me as I rang each customer up. It was immediately uncomfortable and unsettling for me. Still, I did my best to pretend I wasn't bothered, even when his persistence escalated and another co-worker told him to leave me alone. James soon began to make more appearances after that, the second time being with his girlfriend and another male friend by his side. Yes, he had a girlfriend, and I was very confused when he started flirting with me again, this time right in front of her. But oddly enough, she didn't say a word. So, I brushed it off and played along, assuming he was just the goof that my coworker said he was. But when he sat in a booth with his sidekicks at the back of the store, I could feel his eyes burning a hole right through me. Over time, I grew more suspicious of James, as I would witness him do and say countless things to hurt others. 
I knew that he was annoying, and I had learned to brush it off as an all-in-good-fun type of humor like everyone else did. But when I caught him making fun of another co-worker to her face, all I could feel was anger towards him. I removed her from the situation by taking her place at the register, as I could tell she was very hurt and embarrassed by his comments. And by doing so, it was apparent to James that I disapproved. He would continue to harass this poor girl cruelly, and even some of the customers who came in. But trying to make him stop was like scolding a child. I didn't lash out at him, though. I just began to ignore him. James then started playing these head games with me while I was working. He would take soda and candy, walk outside without paying for it, and then come back in the store and said that I forgot to ring it up, loud enough for everyone to hear. One night, he even filled up his gas tank and took off without paying for it, before returning to say he forgot to pay. He knew he'd always get away with it because Granny was the manager. By this point, it wouldn't have surprised me if he was stealing gas and food from the store. There was something very dark and strange lurking behind his goofball facade, and I avoided him like the plague, though it was nearly impossible to do so at times. Then, one day, while I was working alone with another co-worker, we were very busy with tasks as usual, when, lo and behold, James walked in by himself. I muttered, pain in the ass, and I walked straight back into the freezer to finish what I was working on earlier, and then he followed me inside the freezer. I didn't know he was there until he walked right up behind me and asked why I didn't greet him anymore. Startled, I jumped and quickly turned around, grabbing my chest and asking him what he was doing back there. He laughed as I told him I was busy and reminded him that only employees could be in this area. He ignored everything I said and instead proceeded to ask me personal questions, just like he did the first day I met him. You never told me where you live, he said. I'm curious about you. I just want to know. Tell me where you live. He was moving closer and closer towards me, literally backing me into the corner of the freezer. Are you afraid of me, Mindy? He asked. I tried to push past him, telling him to move, but he kept stepping in front of me to block my way out. Not until you answer me, he said. I started calling out for my co-worker, who showed up and gave him hell for being in the freezer. I was finally able to push past James, and I made my way to the front counter, where I looked at the clock and saw that it was time for me to go home. I gathered my things and punched out as quickly as possible, but James followed me out to the parking lot. I swiftly got into my car, but James had managed to grab the top of my door before I could shut it. Come on, just let me see your ID, he persisted. I repeatedly told him no before I found myself practically begging for him to let go of my door so I could go home. Then he grinned at me and said, Don't make me follow you, Mindy. Chills ran down my spine. Knowing how bold of a person he was and because he just cornered me in the freezer only minutes ago, I expected him to follow through. I became angry threatened by visions of what my drive home might soon look like. I looked at him dead on before shouting, 
let go of my fucking door and stay the fuck away from me. I then grabbed the door handle and ripped the door shut as hard as possible. He tried yanking on the door handle from the outside to open it, but luckily I locked the doors in time. He then knocked on my window, asking to see my ID, but I started my car and backed away from him. I turned the wheels and hightailed it out of there while he just stood and watched me speed off. I was so glad to get away from him finally, but I was paranoid the whole way home, thinking he could catch up to me on the road, even though I never saw his vehicle behind me. I would quit the job after this, and I didn't care that my hiring manager was pissed about it. I had enough of everything, and dealing with James was the last straw. I didn't bother explaining anything to my manager because it was apparent that James was probably never held accountable for anything he ever did wrong in his life, and he likely never would be. After that, I never saw him again, and I hope I never do either. James was a jerk, a clown, a joker, but he was also borderline psychotic. This happened about seven years ago, when I was 17 years old. My parents went out of town for a weekend and left me at home. This was a rather common occurrence, and my parents trusted me. I would usually spend these weekends away staying with friends or family as my parents' house is a bit creepy to be alone in, even during the day. We live in a small, rural town where everyone knows each other, and generally, it's quiet and safe. Saturday, I was supposed to stay with a friend, but her parents decided not to let me stay at the last minute. It wasn't a big deal and I had to leave. I was somewhat prepared to go home because her parents got weird about company sometimes. I left her house, which was about a 15-minute walk from my house, around 9.30 or 9.45. While I was going home, I got a weird feeling that I could not explain. I just knew that I did not want to stay at my parents alone. I called my brother and asked if I could stay with him. At the time, he was living with a woman who had a small child. He told me it would be quieter and more accessible to stay with me since his dog would bark if I tried to come into the house. He said he would be at our parents' house in 20 minutes. Side note that will be relevant later. My brother is a relatively scary looking guy. He is about 6'3", 200 pounds, muscular, and covered in tattoos. After hanging up, I decided to stop at a gas station and grab a snack before going home, so that my brother would be there when I got there. I pulled into a gas station. There were only a few cars in the lot, which is typical because this is a small town in the rural south, where everything stops working at about 8pm. I parked and walked up to the door. A man was standing outside the door smoking. He opened the door for me without saying anything. This is customary southern hospitality especially since I'm a female. I smiled and thanked him. Inside, another man was standing by the door. I noticed him staring at me as soon as I came in. He gave me that gross up and down look and said something along the lines like, Hey sexy, what are you doing here alone? Very creepily. I just ignored him and walked towards the back of the store. He yelled at me and called me some sort of words, but I couldn't hear it. I still missed him. I figured he was drunk or high or just some sort of asshole. 
Most people around here talk a big game but rarely back it up. I wasn't too scared, just annoyed. I got my snacks and paid at the counter. When I walked back up to the door, both men were gone. I was happy to not have to deal with any more catcalling. I walked across the lot towards my car, probably a hundred feet away from the door. As I was walking, I looked down at my phone to see if enough time had passed for my brother to be at my parents. When I looked up, the guy who had hit on me was standing at the pump staring. I looked at him for a second and continued walking. Hey, you're supposed to answer a man when he speaks to you, he said. I remember saying something snarky back to him and getting in my car. He looked pissed at my sarcasm. I locked my doors and as soon as I was in my car, started it and thought nothing of it. All I wanted to do was put my snacks aside, get home, eat them, and hang out with my brother. I put my car in gear and realized the man had disappeared. Looking around before pulling out of the parking lot, I realized both men were sitting in a car facing mine across the lot. They were both staring at me and talking, occasionally even pointing toward me. I just stared at them, defiant and pissed. I didn't want them to think they scared me at all. While we were there sitting having our staring contest, the man who had opened the door for me smiled and gave me the finger across the throat gesture, as in, you're dead. I rolled my eyes and pulled out of the gas station, annoyed. To my dismay, they pulled out behind me. I hadn't been scared up until this point. As I said, most people here are all talk with no follow through. Instead of going home, I took a few back roads that connected back into a circle to see if they were indeed following me, which they were. When they realized I was testing them, they drove up close to me and started lying on the horn. I couldn't see the headlights. They were too close, so I called my brother and told him what was going on. He told me to come home and he would handle it. I started driving home and the two guys were still on my ass, blowing the horn the entire time. Even with my detours, I was only about three to four minutes away from my parents' house. I slowed down to pull into the driveway and was immediately relieved. At the end of the driveway was my brother, standing shirtless with his shoulders back, hands crossed in front of his stomach, holding a pistol, his intimidating-looking pit bull sitting by his side. The two guys started to pull in behind me until they saw my brother, and then they hightailed it. I have no idea what they would have done if I had stopped somewhere alone or kept driving. I always think fondly of that image of him standing there like a badass, ready to protect me. I'm thankful he was there. So, I am a 25-year-old female, and this story is about my experience with the paranormal and finding out that I am hypersensitive. I don't have many now, but I plan on getting into ghost hunting so if I have more experiences, I will definitely send them into the swamp. The first part of this story will explain what caused me to become so fascinated with the paranormal and how I feel I became hypersensitive in the first place, which was told to me by my mom. When my mom was still pregnant with me, she for the most part lived in this place for expectant mothers who had either no place to go or could not live at home. While she was there, she said that one night, while she was trying to go to sleep, she felt as if demons surrounded her. Feeling rightfully afraid, she began praying, at which the demons left. Now, she is very skeptical of the paranormal. She told me that she has to see it to believe it, so I think she was telling me the truth. My theory is that what caused me to become hypersensitive was that. 
This next part is the most intense and scary paranormal experience that I've ever had. The first one happened one night when a friend of my younger brother's, who is also my friend as well, and I were walking to get a drink from the gas station in the middle of the night. I need to first explain where the house I was living at was situated. Right across the street from where I lived was a middle school. I will not say the name. So as we were walking to the gas station, on the sidewalk in front of the middle school, we approached the end where we had to cross the street. My friend and I both heard in our minds what sounded like an older woman mixed with a witch cackling. Now I might have written this off as my imagination, but when I turned towards my friend to see if he had heard it as well, he looked at me with the exact same look that I had and practically screamed, Did you hear that too? The next part of this story happened in the same circumstances as the first, a middle of the night drink and cigarette run to the gas station with the same friend. But this happened on our way back from the gas station. As we were leaving and heading back to the house, I saw a big bright flash of light by some bushes. I would later come to realize that this was the spirit crossing over into our reality. After which, as we walked along to the house, my friend kept seeing a dog rounding each corner we crossed, but I never saw it. I believed him though, because as he would try to point it out to me, my fight or flight response would be going nuts and I would want to run back to my house like hell. But since my friend was with me, I would have felt like a world-class loser for leaving them behind. I instead kept walking with him. I ultimately resorted to holding my house key clenched between my fingers as a weapon if I had to. Thankfully, I didn't need to, and we got back to my house safely. So, that's my story. Sorry if this wasn't as crazy or scary as the others. If you do read this though, thank you so much Swamp Dweller. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true gas station horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that helps the swamp grow. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Spotify, please be sure to give us a 5-star rating over there as it helps us grow there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's a gas station story, a story from the woods, or something different, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Down in the comments below, I would love to know what story was your favorite tonight. It helps me pick out better stories in the future when you let me know. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but would like to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you download your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of all of that, come join me over on Twitch. I stream two to three times a week over there for a minimum of 12 to 18 extra hours of content. I watch horror movies that turn out not to be so good, 
play horror games that scare the crap out of me, and just interact with the community. You can find a link to join me over there in the description. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.